Alright everyone, Aaron here and welcome to episode 1, the official episode 1 of the Boys in Green podcast. I hope you're having a great Monday evening of course, uh, I'm having a good one as well, just come back from work to record this wee podcast for you all. Uh, if you managed to listen to the wee trailer episode that I put out on, I think it was Saturday as well, then thank you very much, uh, hopefully you enjoyed it. If you're enjoying the podcast, feel free to follow us on Spotify, we are working on getting this on the other podcast provider so that you can listen to it there as well. It's been a bit of a hullabaloo trying to get this thing started, but we are getting there now and hopefully you will enjoy this wee episode. In this episode, we are going to be talking about the game that happened yesterday. It's in Mun Park against St Mirren, funnily enough, and we'll be previewing the game against Hearts on Wednesday night. So we hope you sit back and enjoy. So we'll start off with the team selection for the game against St Mirren on Sunday. Uh, pretty much the same team as the cup final. I didn't expect maybe too many surprises. I think maybe there could have been a couple of swaps for maybe Abada, for Maeda, or even to get Matt O'Reilly back in starting over Aaron Moy. But to be fair, when you put out the team that's just won a cup final, then naturally you're going to feel a bit more confident than when you were in September. When, especially in September when we were missing Kyogo, we were missing Cameron Carter because we were missing Starfelt for various reasons. Our back, our back to that day was Stephen Welsh and Moritz Jens who, credit to the both of them, I like Stephen Welsh and Moritz Jens is doing fantastically over at Schalke since he's joined over there but they're not comparing to Cameron Carter-Vickers and Carl Starfeld, not in that centre-back partnership that we have the now at Celtic. Uh, obviously St Mirren, they were putting out the team that they have done over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Keanu Bacchus returned for them, I was that was one player from their side that I was particularly wary of, he's a good player, he had a great World Cup. Uh, Curtis Main, always a dangerous striker. Mark O'Hara, who loves a goal against Celtic, and we'll get on to him in a moment because he did score St Mirren's goal against Celtic. Again, I think he tied Lewis Ferguson, it was said in the commentary, for the record of scoring in the most consecutive games against Celtic. I think that's four he's scored now against Celtic for St Mirren. But obviously, two teams were pretty much as I expected. A couple of changes maybe, but again, it would have been pretty much just preference from Ange on that one. You learn to trust Ange after a while and uh, after getting all the results that he's got us this season. And his 99th game as Celtic manager. The stat was, at the start of the day, 99 games, 245 goals and 72 wins, which is honestly mental. Genuinely mental. To think that all our Celtic fans sat there and doubted him when he came over from Japan. How times have indeed changed. Uh, I love Ange Postacoglu. Please never, ever leave. That's all I'm going to say. So we'll start the game. Um, for opening five minutes, uh, an opening first half, you could say, Celtic looked really, really sluggish. Like St Mirren, credit to them. They set up with a back five. They set out to frustrate Celtic at every turn with their wing backs, which one of them as well, I will give credit to Smalls. He was brilliant on the, in the first half against Celtic the, the other day. Uh, very, very tricky to come up against. Jota was having a really, really tough time trying to get him get by him. Uh, they were just stifling all of Celtic's options. I think Kyogo had maybe two touches in the whole first half. So, he done very, very well to stifle an attack. And they got a bit of luck of their own when they put the ball off Greg Taylor's hand. And it's given as a penalty by VAR. Obviously... 
I, I, there's no point really complaining about it. I did at the time through a couple of people, a couple of people that I'm in chats with who are listening will probably verify you on that one. Um, does anyone actually know what natural position is in football anymore? Because Greg Taylor is about a yard away, two yards away, if that. He's got his hands by his side. What What's he meant to do in that situation? He's got himself into a nice blocking position. It's bounced up, hit his arm, and it's been given as a penalty kick. Um, the consistency, I think, is what's annoying a lot of people, and including myself, because we've seen incidents like that just before the cup final where that kind of handball was not given. It wasn't seen as deliberate enough to give penalties, but are we now starting to give those again? Uh, we did see a couple in the rangers Kilmarnock game that were questionable at very, very best, uh, so I don't know if that's a directive that's been asked to be put back in. Again... You could argue all you like about VAR. Uh, I genuinely didn't think it was ready to be introduced at this point in the season. And ultimately, I think a lot of fans' fears are now being proved right at the lack of consistency and clarity from decisions. The sooner these referees are mic'd up and made to kind of explain their decisions a little bit, then I think the better it will be. And it will stop this sort of conspiracy myth. Because if people are getting bored by it, then the officials need to stop giving fans a reason for them to feel like there's some kind of conspiracy. But anyway, there's no point arguing about that. Um, it does hit Greg Taylor's hand. Again, I think it's very harsh, but I knew for a, I knew from the instance that it hit his hand it was going to be given as a penalty. Uh, I was surprised at how long it took, though. Um, they did wait a wee while to get David Dixon to go back to the monitor and check that. Um, but given as a penalty, it was. Mark O'Hara dispatched it very, very well. 1-0 St Mirren, and immediately, I think a lot of Celtic fans are thinking deja vu face September because there was a lot of echoes of that game in the first half. Celtic not being able to get anything going in attacks. St Mirren doing decently well enough on the break, um, obviously getting their joy with the penalty. Um, and we go into half time on that one. Uh, actually, before we do, before we uh, talk about half time, before I talk about the second half, obviously St Mirren did go down to 10 men. Charles Dunn red carded for a last man challenge on Kyogo, which Again, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna disagree with that. I think that's one that they got right. Um, it was a red card. In terms of whether or not it's a penalty, it's it's again it's very very tight. The contact does look as if it can carries on in the box. Kyogo does get his foot on the line in the edge of the box. So again, you know you could argue if it's on the line, it's in the box. That's what the rule says. Uh, and we'd have seen penalties given for instance like that. I hate to obviously bring up the other side of the city again, but Malik Tillman got one just like that in a Viaplay Cup game against Partick Thistle not too long ago. So naturally, you're going to get fans shouting for penalties in that one, but it was initially given as a penalty. David Dickinson gave the penalty kick, but it was overturned again by VAR. Andrew Dallas in the VAR room. I believe Andy Walker said that he was looking for a reason not to give a penalty or to give a penalty against Celtic. So I don't know if maybe sitting next to Chris Boyd has made him remember that he's a former Celtic player and that, you know, he can say things that benefit Celtic because he doesn't do it a lot of the time. But anyway, enough about that. Uh, free kick comes to nothing and we go to half time. And again, everyone is thinking subs. When are the subs coming? Obviously, we know Ange likes to go to the 60th minute. And then make subs, but to his credit, he made subs at, at half time. He brought on Neil Abada in that moment. That moment there 
is where the game turned in Celtic's favour because Abada offers such a direct threat and it was terrorising the St Mirren defence for that entire second half and it was a big part of why we got the equaliser. Abada driving in, forces the error from Trevor Carson, flips the ball in the box, manages to get a wee bit of joy in there uh, aside from the first half where we were crossing it into our striker who had like three or four six foot plus centre backs surrounding him but we do get a bit of joy with Abada's directness. Comes out of Carson, Kyogo, no, not Kyogo, Jota, sticks it round the corner of Carson. He touches it, I think, with his outstretched leg and his toe. Simon defender tries to get to it, can't get to it, it's in the net, and it's the first goal of Ange Postecoglou's reign at St. Mirren Park. And you could tell what it meant to Jota because the celebration that he had, <clears throat> excuse me, the celebration that he had was like he just scored the cup final winning goal. Uh, I think I think you could tell that he was get, having a wee bit of a frustrating game, and I think that was him just letting his frustrations out. And I think everybody in the Celtics Celtic persuasion was letting out a big sigh of relief because, see, to be honest, once Celtic got to one each and knowing how well Abada had done, I think it was only a matter of time before we did go on and win the game. And we get the second goal not too long after, free kick given down the left hand side, taken in by Aaron Moy, exquisite ball in from him. Uh, Alistair Johnson comes in, attacks it, forces it off Mark Ahara, the St Mirren hero at the other end. Uh, he's claiming it. I'm going to give it to him on this podcast. Um, but aye, again, first goal for Celtic. I believe it has been officially given to him. So, fantastic. He was brilliant today as well. If I had to give you a man in a match in terms of the starters, it would probably be Alistair Johnson. He was absolutely superb down that right-hand side. He's really took that role on board with Josip Juranovic superbly. And I know he was kind of a little bit raging in the press earlier this week about Celtic signing him, but again, to be honest, when your agent is shipping you off for a move, you can't be surprised when Celtic goes out and gets a right back. We just hope that he's one of quality, and it seems that we have found one of absolute quality in Alistair Johnson. Again, 2-1. At that point, I think Celtic were going to be comfortable enough and get the win. And we go and score three more goals. The first one of which, Leila Bada, fantastic close ball control. Gets it past two St Mirren defenders and absolutely unleashes one past Trevor Carson in the goal. 3-1. Brilliant finish. Man of the match captain performance for him. He was officially given the man of the match. And to see, to be honest, I don't blame them. He was absolutely brilliant. He changed the game when he came on. And Ange said it himself the best. He goes on, gets the job done. He doesn't moan, he doesn't whinge, he doesn't throw his toys at the pram whenever he's not playing. He comes on, he gets the job done, and I think he's done more than enough to warrant a start against Hearts, which we will get to in a wee bit in this podcast once I've stopped talking about St Mirren 4-1 was next, and again, a fantastically taken goal by Matt O'Reilly. Hopefully, start of some confidence building for Matt, because you can see the player of last season trying to break back out. He's had a little bit of a dip in form recently. Again, even in a dip in form, he's still been contributing the most assists in the league, which has been which is mental. That shows you the strength of quality in that midfield. Uh, but again, he takes it really, really well. He gets that one-step volley on. He manages to get the power behind it, which is really, really difficult to do with that kind of technique, and makes it 4-1. And finally... All gets in the box, he came on, he made a nuisance of himself in the box, he gets his shot pulled, goes down, referee gives it, penalty to Celtic. And all with the Jorginho-style run-up, a run-up that I've never really been a fan of, but there you go, it doesn't matter when he scores. He gets a bit of luck under Trevor Carson, uh, and again, makes it 5-1, seals the points, and I caps off a five-star performance in the second half. 
from Celtic. Uh, obviously, in terms of my man of the match, I'm going to give it to Leo Bada. I think he really, really changed the game when he came on. I'm not going to disagree with the uh, the votes on that one, but I will, again, give a special bit of credit to Alistair Johnson for his performance. He was absolutely superb. Um, obviously, a couple of people, I think they're the only two people that really kind of stood out. The rest were, obviously, the rest, obviously, when they turned up in the second half, were very, very good. They got the job done, and that's all you can ever ask of the team. And there you go, those are my thoughts on the St Mirren game. A fantastic piece of three points going back. A fantastic piece of three points, that's a great sense. A fantastic three points coming back to Celtic Park, uh, especially on a day where the other side of the city must have thought that maybe their luck was in after their result the day before. They were going to get, they were going to narrow the gap back to Celtic just after the cup final. Celtic's record after cup finals has apparently not been great as, a, as given by the ludicrous table that they put up on Sky Sports. Like, what kind of a stat is that? Genuinely, that is your, that is your broadcaster's rights at work right there, ladies and gentlemen. But there you go. We come back, we break the League Cup final post-curse. That's not even a thing. Um, and obviously, you know, we kind of frustrate the other side of the city a wee bit. They're even more frustrated than they must already be. So we'll move on to the game against Hearts on Wednesday night. So Celtic against Hearts at home. It's first part of a doubleheader. Uh, obviously, on Saturday, we'll be going to Tynecastle for the Cup, which we'll have a wee bit of a preview on that. Uh, probably on wet, probably on Thursday after the game, and we'll maybe take obviously take it for there. But obviously, you know, Hearts are a very very difficult team to come up against at the best of times. They're the third best team in the country. They've got some quality in there. Uh, they've obviously got the likes of Sibold, who I really rate. He's a fantastic player. Um, obviously, Lauren Shankland. He speaks for himself. Obviously, Guaran Cole, who has been very highly rated coming up from Newcastle. Maybe not had the best of starts to his Hearts career but obviously it just takes one game for it all to flip and obviously if Celtic's not careful that could be against them so they have players of really really good quality but Celtic I'm very hopeful by the fact that Celtic are very very good at playing Hearts at home um, it'll just be a case of getting through this game I think without injuries obviously without with the big Scottish Cup quarter final coming up at the weekend and obviously a chance to potentially extend the gap at the top of the league with the uh, the other side of the city going up against Hibs at Easter Road. A very, very tricky game, especially in the mood that Rangers fans now find themselves in. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, but I, I don't expect too many issues in terms of team selection. Again, I'll give you my team selection now. While we're here, I will go, obviously, Joe Hart go back for the same of Taylor, Carter Baker, Starfield and Alistair Johnson. Midfield 2, McGregor, Hattati. And see, to be honest, I would start Matt O'Reilly on this one. I would let maybe Moy get a wee bit of a rest after St. Mirren, of course. I like a couple of days, you know, let's protect him. We could, we could need him for Tyne Castle. So I'll give it to Matt O'Reilly. I do like Matt O'Reilly. And again, he just needs one game to break out into the Matt O'Reilly of last season, I think, for me. Uh, front three, I would go for Jota, of course. I would go for Kyogo, and I would go for Leila Abada. I would be starting Leila Abada because Maida he never really looked as if he had much joy against St Mirren on that one. So I think get Abada and reward his good performance against St Mirren with a chance to show what he could do from the start and potentially play his way into the quarterfinal game on Saturday. 
So that's my team selection. In terms of my prediction, I am going to go for a nice 2-0 Celtic on that one. I don't think it'll be a particularly easy game by any means. Hearts never is an easy game, but I think Celtic have got more than enough quality, especially at home, to see the job get done in the end. And that's it. That is my preview and obviously review of the St Mirren game and of course the Hearts game coming up on Wednesday night. The podcast will be back on Thursday with a review of the Hearts game and looking ahead, of course, to the quarterfinal. A bit more in-depth thoughts and analysis. My name is Aaron. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Boys in Green podcast. And until the next one, you take it easy.